Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I'm your host, John Edwards, and here to the left of me, as always, is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. It's a holiday, so I am here. It is. That's right. Otherwise... You have no excuses. <laughs> otherwise, you know, it could have been maybe, maybe not. So, I don't know. Well, Valentine's Day was a holiday and you weren't here. That's right. <laughs> well, there's importance oh that. i know yeah, i know yeah. trust me we didn't dig I had, up and I, I didn't run you over the coals too much right. for that one my home my boss at the home i had to take out sure yeah, sure right. i know i right. know what it is you're trying to keep the old lady happy right. i got you or the young lady if christy's listening to this well, you know i'm a biker too right <laughs> the go. old lady yeah there you go. yeah well man it's good to see you it's, i'm glad to be back in here and ready to put out another show here in a second and i just got some great news over the last couple of days i wanted oh, to share with everybody you know we've been planning this pilgrimage with Father Larry. It's going to be in yeah. 2023, so everybody hears that. It's not 2022. It's May of 2023. Um, and one of the things that's you know, held up travel for a lot of people, period, whether you're going to a pilgrimage or you're mm-hmm. trying to go out of the country or just traveling around, has been mandates, right? Mm-hmm. You know, being, being vaccinated, all those different things. Well, uh, Israel announced that they are now removing all the mandates. So it's open to travel again uh, without those restrictions. Right. So if you're somebody who was thinking about going, but you weren't because you were concerned about the what pri- those mandates, privacy. Right, right, privacy right, right. and right. mandates Choice, and, yeah. you know, a flight getting turned around midway mm-hmm. because, you know, somebody may not have you know followed the mandates or whatever. Um, now all that's gone. So mm-hmm. there is free travel to Israel. Not free, you have to pay for it, but it's free in the fact that you don't have to submit to all these mandates. So if you were wanting to join us, we've got that trip coming up. It's going to be a 12-day trip. You're going to go to all the places that Christ walked. I mean, all the big ones. You know, you're going to go to Cana. You're going to go to the Sea of Galilee. You're going to be able to go out in a boat there. You're going to, you know, just go all over the place. All of the, uh, walk the Via Della Rosa, all of those things you're going to be able to do. And so it's going to be a lifetime, you know, trip. One of those things where you go do it and you're like, man, I'm always going to have these memories. And you get to go with Father Larry and an idiot like me. So it'll be a good time, I promise. Well, see, the thing is, you know, when you do on tours, course i was in and in, in europe sure there's always these tour guys was had like a flag you know uh-huh. so the good thing is you're tall enough for everybody that's so we'll right. just know there we are over there just follow, follow the glare of that's that right. tall bald head over there that's <laughs> yeah. right but yeah so that's again in may of next year if you are interested in it you can go to just a mm-hmm. go to the book me page right there in the middle is where you can sign up for the right. pilgrimage and, and if, find out more and information if you ever want to do it now's a good time to look into it really consider yeah. it yeah yeah it's going to be awesome so excited about that uh, the studio, man. I mean, we've had some rain here that's setting us back a little bit, but we're getting closer every day. And uh, I've been on the phone multiple times with uh, Neil, you know, works with Matt Pride, who's helping me get all the equipment and stuff. So we're getting ready to order all that. But we've raised about $3,500. We need about fifteen to get mm-hmm. everything we need to set it up. Guys, again, just asking, uh, you know, if, you've, if, if the show has helped you in any way, if you're wanting to give to something that you know is making a difference out there, this podcast is, and it's allowed us to go and change parishes by starting men's groups and all of these things. You know, the Lord has really just grown and grown and grown this through uncertainty. He has shown up and he has just made this ministry continue to blossom. And it's because we're trying to bring God's people back to him. So if you want to help do that, one of the things we're going to be doing with the studio is going to, you know, building our YouTube channel. We're going to get more and more content out there. We're going to have live Q and A's, all this stuff, more interaction for you with us. 
there's just going to be a lot of stuff going on. We're also going to use it to film training videos for all these men's groups we're starting around the country. It's just going to be take us to the next level and allow us to reach more people than we ever have. A lot of people call in all the time or email in and say, I wish y'all had a video version. I want to see you guys. Mm-hmm. I want to, what does Victor look like? It's a common thing that I get. <laughs> I'm like, trust me, you don't want to know. Yeah, that's, that's why right. it's an audio podcast. And I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> but no, seriously, there's people that ask that all the time. And so you'll get to see everything now, mm-hmm. right? It'll all be filmed and out there for YouTubes and all that stuff. So you say YouTubes? YouTubes. Yeah, YouTubes. sorry, that's a frat that's thing, like man. He says that all the, the time. Facebook. Yeah, yeah, we talk about it. He's like, you trying to grow your YouTubes? Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's Australian, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, we still need about 12K, a little less than that. So again, you can go to donorbox.org slash pew. That is a site where you can give a one-time donation, a monthly donation, um, an annual donation, whatever you want to do. But every little bit helps. You know, a lot of times we may think, well, I only have five bucks I can give. Well, you know what? Five bucks gets us closer. Mm-hmm. And we'd be grateful to have anything that you guys are willing to give. So if you want to see more content, you want us to grow uh, the way and that we have been and continue to just do things the Lord's asking us to do, then go to donorbox.org slash pew and give there. So thank you for that, guys. Last thing's missions. We booked four more missions in the last two weeks. So the word's getting out about what we're doing. There are parishes all over this country that are wanting to start vibrant men's groups that are built on authenticity and vulnerability that are going to have this format of the four pillars we've talked about. It's just people are wanting this and they're wanting the training. That's what we're doing. That's different. We're not just sending you a box and saying here, press play and all that stuff. This is actual training for men and it's going to help them with the things that you and I learned along the way, Victor. I mean, we were just, we started something and then, you know, we just had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're going to take the knowledge that we've gained. We're by no means know everything, but we can help train men to become leaders. That's what's missing a lot is you get the box, you get all the shiny stuff, but you don't get help for the man that is God's put in right. his life to do this. And that's why a lot of groups burn out. They fizzle out. They're over quickly is because a guy just doesn't know or his the pressures on him or the, the shame and the guilt and all that stuff from what he may have done in his life comes up and then these groups end. We're going to help combat that by training men to understand that it's God that does the changing. It's God that does the leading. You just have to give your yes, and we'll help you along the way to understand and to avoid some of the speed bumps and the pitfalls that we fell to when we started. But either way, you bring us out. We're going to do that three-talk parish mission on restoring your identity. We're going to start a men's group out there. We're going to train leaders and build something that will be fruit that lasts long after we're gone. So if you're a guy that's interested in that, you feel like you've heard this again and again on the podcast lately, and maybe it's pulling on that, that heartstring again, don't worry about feeling like I can't do this. I would, but I can't. The Lord will give you the ability to do what you feel like you can't do. The The first thing you need to do is go to your pastor and just say, look, I think we need something for men. I think I could help with it. And I know somebody that will help me and then get us invited in there and we will not leave you, um, you know, by yourself. We're going to make sure that you have all the help in the world and that you guys have a vibrant men's group from there. So again, you can book that mission at, um, just again, the pew.com go to speak or book John for events. And it's down there at the bottom, fill out the form and we'll get back with you. So, you know, it's funny when we talk about those men's groups. I mean, there there was a lot of uncertainty in the beginning, you know, when mm-hmm. we started it. You know, all of a sudden I went in that room, I shared my soul. A bunch of guys were like, uh, I thought I was here just to drink beer and like, right. cook, cook something for the parish. And all of a sudden there's a bunch of guys going, okay, and everybody's sharing, right? Mm-hmm. That vulnerability triggered vulnerability in everybody else. Then everybody kind of looked up and said, yeah, I think we need something like this every week. And a couple of days goes by, and I remember th- sitting there going, man, that was amazing, but like, 
I got nothing else. Like, yeah. I got nothing. What am I doing after this? Oh, well, you're going to lead this group. Why? What does that mean? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And there's a choice there, right? There was a choice in that moment of I either, I either stop because uncertainty paralyzed me and I, and I quit, or I trust in the Lord. And in that instance, I was surrounded by great people, great friends, a great priest and Father Martel that encouraged and kept saying, trust, surrender, believe, you know, don't, this isn't on you, it's on God. And he's, you know, he's, you know, anointed you for this or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But there's, you know, I was reading the Bible the other day and this this topic of uncertainty came up. I was listening to Bible in a year and we're going through Exodus. They got to the part where, you know, after they've been in the desert and they finally come to Mount Sinai and Moses is called up the mountain by the Lord to basically get the commandments and then go through all the designing of the, of the tabernacle, all those things, mm-hmm. the priest clothes, you know, all of that. And in that scene, and Father Mike mentioned this, you know, that we have the, the building of the idol, right? Where they build the golden calf. And that happened because there was uncertainty, right? right? Like all of a sudden everybody's, Moses has been here. Sometimes people are agreeing with them. Sometimes they're not, but there's someone leading them. Right. Someone physically there taking them from point A to point B, communicating, communicating between God and, and them. But then he's gone. He goes right. up the mountain, and they're like, "This wasn't like when he went up there for like an hour. This is this has been almost we'll forty know. days." We'll know where you, like I said before, yeah. you know, it was a great panic attack of the nation of Israel. <laughs> going, what the heck's going on? Who am I? What are we doing? And what's next? Right. Yeah. And so, so this this is one example. We're going to give two in the show. Sure. One way that's a way not to handle uncertainty, and another mm-hmm. that is. And you know, as I look at this, you know, when Moses went away up the mountain. It's just that uncertainty set in, and and that's the trouble with uncertainty, is when we don't know what's in front of us, and we don't have that path, you know, out in front of us, and we can feel that in our own life, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want to know ten steps ahead, but mo- most, you know, more often than not, God gives us a, a flashlight for the foot, one step, one foot in front of us, even though everything's like, no, God, I want this, I'll follow you, but tell me the whole plan. Mm-hmm. And when there's an uncertainty, we we get paralyzed, right? And and uncertainty leads to fear, and, and it's fear that maybe God's abandoned us, or fear that you know what I'm going to lose by following Him, or that God isn't moving fast enough, right? right. Like I want to trust Him, but I'm not seeing results. Like when's He going to show right. me something, and, and when am I going to feel all this? And guess what? When you're you have you, when you make a decision in fear or anger, it's always 99 percent of the chance going to be a bad decision. Sure, because you're pressuring yourself to make a snap judgment decision on something that you may be overreacting. Or you may be misreading the issue at the time wrong. Yeah. Um, and and patience and like you said, the the uncertainty is there for growth opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? We don't like to grow sometimes. Yeah, that's exactly right? it. That's exactly it. And I mean, I liken it to just like say you're going to drive to, you know, Chicago or some or mm-hmm. some little town out in the Midwest you've never been to before, and you're like, all right, God, that's where you want me to go. I'm going. And you get your phone out and you're getting your, you know, the coordinates put in and, and you're good. You're just getting in the truck and driving because you've got something that's going to tell you every turn. Then all of a sudden God says, you know what? You can't take your phone. You're going, what do you mean? How am I going to get there? Right? Like, how am I, I've never been there before. What so direction you, am I going to go? Yahoo Maps. Right. Still do that? None of <laughs> no. that. Right? Like, not MapQuest or any of that. That's what I kind of liken this to is yeah. in that moment that, you know, Moses is up there forever. And all of a sudden, the people start feeling like, okay, where's the leader? He's not mm-hmm. here. And, and you know, if he's not here, then we don't know what God wants us to do. And we're trapped out here. And God has been providing everything for us. If we don't have him, what are we going to do? And where they had sort of had their hands off the wheel because they trusted in Moses, they trusted in God. Now, all of a sudden, they're very firmly grabbing the wheel, right? Right. And saying, we got to do something. We got to do something. So 
that uncertainty leads to fear and that fear leads to us trying to take control. We turn to other things when we feel uncertain about life and God, right? And that's what happens. They go, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I know what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone, as you mentioned more of the show, must have said like, we're going to build something, right. right? And so they look at Aaron. They and, got a committee and they said, let's put gold <laughs> in fire and make something. Yeah. yeah, and that's what they did, which is yeah. the complete opposite of what God told them to do not very long before that, right? Mm-hmm. He's telling them, you have no other gods before me. And then he's gone for a minute with Moses and all of a sudden it's like, we got to make something. We got to have it now. And it's almost like a nightlight, right? Yeah. Like we believe God and we believe he's around here somewhere, but we need to see him, right? Like I, I believe I'll be okay in the dark when right. I go to sleep, but I, that light really would make me feel a bit more secure. Right. And that's really what they were looking for was that security. But that's what uncertainty does to us. It drives us to this place where we start to say, okay, God, I, I trust you, but really we don't. We don't because mm-hmm. in that moment, a lot of us fold to that. And because of the fear and the, well, what's going to happen? And I can't wait forever. And if I'm not doing something, if I'm not making something happen, then nothing's going to happen, right? And I'm going to be stuck here. And this, and you can just feel the thoughts in your head mm-hmm. building upon one or, you know, one upon the other. And the devil loves that because when you're uncertain, you're afraid. When you're afraid, you stop trusting God. When you stop trusting God, you start taking control. When you take control, generally you have a wreck. Yeah, bad things <laughs> yeah. happen. Right? Yeah, right. we start trying to run our own lives. You start thinking you don't need God, all these other things. So, you know, the Israelites, they made that golden calf to be able to say, okay, now here's the Lord. Now, granted, you can look at this a couple different ways. They didn't say, we're just going to go worship other gods. They literally were trying to make something, it seems, to have a physical presence to represent the God, the Hebrew God, right? Right. Not, Not Baal or anybody else, right? They were just looking for something to just give them that security blanket, but it was wrong. Let's not let's not right. pretend about that. It was wrong. Anytime, anytime that we look at anything other than God Himself as our security, as as all of that stuff, then we're we're committing a sin, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're supposed to depend on Him. So, you know, they started doing what we like to try to do is to take control, and it leads us to stop trusting in God. It's the true danger of uncertainty. That's where this leads. Like I said, you're uncertain. It leads to fear. You take control, and then all of a sudden, this is the part the devil is sitting back waiting for is for you to quit trusting God, right? To simply say, you know what? I'm giving up on him, and, and now I'm in charge. I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to make my own path. And we've seen that so many different times in the scriptures where it has failed miserably, right? Jonah, I'm not going to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. I've got my own way. <laughs> Wound yeah. up in the belly I of a whale. I can't stand those people. Right. Yeah. So right. when we try to take control of our life, it generally ends up in a bad place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in trying to get rid of that fear of uncertainty, you know, like I said, the Israel Israelites created an idol. We create idols in our own life, and then we start to place trust in it. But that's Victor. That's not the way to get rid of uncertainty. It's mm-hmm. actually the most unhealthy way to deal with it is to stop trusting in God. Because the times that we look back, if we look back at all these things, then we know that God is taking care of us, right? If you're really looking back at the times that you've been patient, at the times that you've allowed yourself not to submit to fear, right? to, succumb, mm-hmm. to succumb to fear, God's always proven himself. And maybe it wasn't the decision you wanted, but he's shown up in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we have to trust in, and we can't let that, that trust go away when the devil comes knocking and tries to take it away with uncertainty. What I, what I love about um, the sense of what we're talking about uncertainty is that it, we have so many examples of the, the fallibilities and the insecurities of people in the gospel and in the, in the sure. Old Testament. I mean, you have men and women of God who struggle with so many issues in their life, suffering and trying to 
deal with that as it is. And so they are living examples still to us as to how to do it, and especially writings of the fathers and and everything else. And and I think we need to kind of realize that we we are a shared experience people. You know, if if we are people of faith, then we know that every person of faith has dealt with this in some some line of their life or continue to. So we're not alone in this decision. We're not alone in this struggle. And and I think you said the enemy likes to isolate and saying, you are the worst person on this earth. Yeah. You know, and this is your punishment for what you've done. Well, guess what? All of us are are walking in punishment for what we've done. Mm-hmm. You know, but God comes and sends his son and guess what? You know, we're we're aligned back to his love. Yeah. You know, by going to confession and, and being penitent. Um, but like I said, with with Moses, you know, being gone for the moment, you know, we can have our own little selves where we feel a, a, a separation of God. And guess what? You know, that's our issue. Sure. That's our uncertainty for the moment. And we have to well, be very careful when that comes to us. We don't overreact. Right. And we, right? we don't take the wrong path. And right. that's exactly right. Like I, I deal with this all the time. I mean, just to use an example of my own life, being in ministry like this, like, and not being a part of like the church as far as like clergy or someone who actually gets paid for being in ministry, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's hard because you're going like, God, do you want this of me? And then you think you're doing the right thing. And God, it's never like God sits down at the table with me and goes, John, I want you to do this exactly like this and do this and make this right. move and everything will be all right. And your family will be taken care of the rest of your life. I mean, when I quit my job at Napa and I'm not trying to like, just say, Oh, look at me. But what I'm saying is like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew that God was calling me and as hard as it was, I had to trust that. But there are times Victor right now where I'm like, I think he's asking this of me. I'm not sure. And I have to step out there. You know, buying this equipment, doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. There's no guarantee that, that money in the ministry won't run out in six months. So you're at a point where you go like, either I'm going to trust or I'm going to freeze up to uncertainty and I'm going to say, God, I'm just going to sit right here and, you know, keep this money here and and then uh, then we can survive maybe three more months or whatever it is. And you can't be like that. Like, it, yeah. that is the, the, the way that we want to go. But honestly, like, that trusting of God is an opportunity to 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 really be blessed by him and an opportunity to see who he really is, mm-hmm. a God who loves us. And so as we mention all that, you know, there there's another way and another example in the Bible that shows how uncertainty should be handled. You know, the Israelites, they didn't handle it well. They built the idols. You know, Moses came down furious. God's mad. All of that happened because they, choose, they chose to grab control of their own life. If you look at the apostles, after Jesus died, right? After Christ's death, they sat huddled in the upper room. They were scared, right? They were in disbelief. Door, door locked, <laughs> lights out. Yeah, yeah. I right. mean, they were uncertain about their future and what was going to be like. They felt abandoned and were even afraid death was coming for them too, right? They were hiding. Yeah. But then they were also in disbelief. Like, wait a minute. We've been waiting all this time and this Messiah shows up and he's dead? Like, I thought he, 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 had, he rose these other people from the dead. Why was he not able to get out of this? You can just imagine all the stuff that was going around their head. I left my family. I left my job. Mm-hmm. This is it. What's happening next? What are we supposed to do? How are we ever going to get out of this city without getting killed? You know, anything like that. Just sitting around afraid and, and full of uncertainty. The difference was they waited, right? They waited. Mm-hmm. They didn't get up. You know, Peter didn't get up and go, I'm out of here. I'm taking my chances and shoot out the door and make a break for it. They sat there together because one, they knew together is the way Jesus wanted us, right? We're better in numbers. But they also thought, I don't know, like there has to be more than this, Mm -hmm. right? There has to be more. This can't be the way it ends. 
And so they sat there and they waited. They didn't try to take control. They didn't try to grab the wheel and say, we're going to go do our own thing. They waited on Jesus. And here's the thing. When they did, he showed up. He showed up. And when he showed up, even though it took some time, he rewarded their patience and their faithfulness uh, and gave them the greatest gift ever, the Holy Spirit. Right? So in that moment of uncertainty, they had a choice. They could have done what the Israelites did and just you know, gotten out of Dodge or built an idol or Peter could have said, I'm going to lead now. I'm your guy. Whatever it is, but they didn't. They sat there patiently and they waited. And then Jesus gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And after that, he, you know, he, he breathed on them in, in, in Pentecost and all of that. They went out and they lived their life on a mission again without uncertainty ever again. Did they doubt some things? Where am I going to eat tomorrow? Where am I going to? Maybe. But they weren't uncertain about their trust in God and the relationship that they had with him, right? Jesus gave us this gift. We know what our mission is. My job is to trust him and to go where he sends me and to do what he's asked of me. That's the difference here is that they waited patiently and then they let Jesus show up. That may be a long time in our life, right? Mm -hmm. We may have something we're looking for an answer for now. Jesus, if you want me to do this, give it to me now. Show it to me now. Roll a, you know, something out in the wind down the street that I pick up that says you're supposed to be a minister or whatever. Right. It's not going to happen. We just have to trust and have that relationship with God and with Christ to understand what he's saying to us and then wait patiently like they did for him to show up. I'm sure that... I'll on my deathbed, whenever that may come, <laughs> that I'll be probably able to con con concentrate on what things were dealing with in my past. And I'll realize how much time I wasted on worry and anxiety about certain things when knowing that where I am now, right. you know, and I think that's the thing I have to kind of constantly shake myself from anything like issues at work, stress at work or financial stuff or anything about the kids, the grades, whatever, what's going to happen, how we do tuition, you know, we're going to college, all the education, how they, how they can be, faithful people when they grow up, you know, all these yeah. things that, that we worry about as parents, you know, if we continue to invest our time with them, then God will be present there as well. And we just can't worry about all that stuff. Well, that you're exactly right. And that, that's the thing that really is the struggle. I mean, today, look, I feel like an idiot a lot of times because, um, you know, I've trusted God a lot of times. Angel and I both have, you know, when we left that job at Napa, I thought, what am I going to do? I'm making a third of what I used to make mm -hmm. and I, at Cardinal Studios. And we were okay, right? We still could pay the bills. We still could do this. We could still could, you know, we were still taken care of. Then I get a call from Cardinal Studios. Hey, man, we can't employ you anymore. We've got to have a different direction. And uh, it's not going to require a salesman. What am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. Right? My wife says start a nonprofit. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to run a business and we have no money in it. Start one anyway, right? <laughs> next thing you know, VCC comes along. That thing does well. And I put the money that God gave me in the ministry, and we've run it off of that. But still, I, I find myself, whenever there's a choice, should I build this studio in my house? Should I get this equipment? Should I start trying to travel the country to start men's group? Is this really what you want of me, God? All the time, every day, I'm uncertain. Mm -hmm. You know, Every time I sit down to write a, a podcast, I'm uncertain. But eventually, I have to get to the point of saying, you know what? God has proven himself to me each and every time. He's a God who loves me. He's a God who wants to do for us and, to, and to, to care for us. So that's an example here of where we're going here at the end is what to do when uncertainty comes, right? First, we have to trust. We need to stop looking at uncertainty with fear. And you said this earlier in the show and begin to look at it as an opportunity to trust. If we stop looking at uncertainty as just this, oh my gosh, here it is. It's overwhelming. This is going to be terrible. I'm going to lose things. I'm going to make the wrong decision. Instead of saying, you know what? There's a crossroads. 
And this is not something to be afraid of, but this is something, an invitation of God for me to, to, to sit down with him and to start talking to him and have a conversation and to build that trust in him that he's going to lead me to do the right thing. You know, and if you're praying and you're doing all those things right, then he's going to have your back. He's mm-hmm. going to take care of you. But you have to trust in there. So first and foremost, it's an invitation to trust. We need to look at it, flip the script from a negative thing to a positive thing of this is God giving you an opportunity to trust. Just like Indiana Jones in the in that la, in the last movie with Sean Connery when he has to take that leap of faith and step out in that 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 um, that's cavern. Your, I think that's your favorite movie. It is one it, yeah. of my favorite <laughs> ones. I love that scene. I love that scene. Number two, surrender. Yeah. Surrender is trust lived out. If you always go, well, how do I surrender? It's living out that trust. It's by saying, you know what? I'm taking my hands off the wheel and I'm going to live that my life according to what I say. That I'm, I trust God, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to take my hands off the wheel and let it let it live out like this. Mm-hmm. Through surrender, we put our trust in God into action. That's the thing. That's where trusting God becomes action. It may feel like surrendering control is inactive, that we're sitting back and waiting, but you're actually taking action in your faith by surrendering and letting go. And that allows your faith to grow. So just let go of the wheel. Third, practice the virtue of patience. God is not on our time. <laughs> we're on his. Understand that and get comfortable with it because that's some of the most painful things for people is they're like, I want what I want now. Mm-hmm. I need this now. I need this answer. Chances are, if you needed that answer now, God would have given it to you. God would have delivered what you needed. God knows better than we do. We are not the creator. We're the creation. So with that needs to come some patience. He's a, a, a God that, that has shown himself true to be who he is, who has a desire to love us and care for us. So if we remember that through all things, and we look at uncertainty not as an opportunity to get scared or to try to grab the wheel or to try to veer away from God the way the Israels did in that the Israelites did in that moment, but an opportunity to to live as the apostles did, to simply say, yeah, I may still have the same fear, the same uncertainty, the same confusion, the same doubt, but there's one thing that's different, one thing that is certain, is that I know that God loves me, and through all this, if I believe in that with my whole heart and I trust in it and I give that wheel over, then. I'm going to find what I need and I'm always going to be taken care of because of a God who loves me. So guys, that's what we're talking about today. I know it's an, it's a struggle with a lot of men, but it's something we all have to get to at some point. Our faith has to become real and it becomes real by trusting in the Lord. So, all right, guys, I hear that music. Look, uncertainty will always be a problem in our lives if we let it be. But in that uncertainty, we can be certain of one thing, God's love for us and his desire to be with us forever. So let's take it to prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, uncertainty is one of the devil's favorite tools to use against your sons. He knows that it will lead us to fear and anxiety and it will eventually rob us of our trust in you. Help us to remember that uncertainty is not something to fear but is an opportunity for greater trust in you. And Father, whenever we find ourselves grasping for the control of our every situation, remind us of the faithfulness of the apostles and the reward that came with it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.